0: Hi, and welcome to The Parent Equation with me Aisha Murray, the podcast series where working parents share their unique stories of raising a family alongside their career. From complete career changes to parental rights, from IVF to single parenting, each episode is inspiring and I'm so grateful to all my guests for being so candid. Parenting isn't easy, but we're all in it together. So today I'm joined on The Parent Equation by Lizzie Martin. Lizzie is a fellow coach and Lizzie could talk about that a bit more in a minute and like me works with working parents and working mums especially those returning to work and also helping organisations to support those parents better. So welcome Lizzie, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with I think with your story. So A lot of the clients that we work with, um, mums and dads, are at a point in their careers and their lives where family is suddenly taking priority or they feel that something has to change in their career and their sort of work-life balance. So what happened with you and why did you make the change from your previous career, which you can talk about, into coaching?
1: So I made a change. And if I go back to that moment where I thought something's got to change. It was when I was working for John Lewis and I was um really focused on getting my next promotion. I was recently married and I was thinking, I'll just get one more promotion and then we'll start trying for a family. And you know what it's like. Sometimes those goalposts can feel like they're changing all the time. So that I'll just wait to get another promotion. I'll just wait to get another promotion and then the promotion wasn't happening it wasn't happening at the pace that I wanted it to um you know retail was um facing some some challenges anyway retail hasn't been you know a growth area for a while now um so I remember thinking gosh how long am I going to put status ahead Of trying for a family. And I remember coming home one day and saying to my husband, look, I think we should we should park, we should park the promotion, let's see what happens, but we should prioritize family because we don't know how long it's going to take. Um, And once I'd taken the pressure off the promotion obviously what happens next (laughs) the promotion happens (laughs) doesn't it so the opportunity for me to then take on a different role presents itself and that role happens to be a leadership coaching position within John Lewis Mm -hmm. and it was the point at which I really fell in love with coaching as a discipline Um, and I then had the opportunity to take a redundancy package Mm -hmm. and I thought actually this is where i'm starting you know to have a young family but also i've identified that this is my m- more of my passion it's, it's more of a fit with my strengths so i think i can take this coaching skill and have greater impact on the outside of an organization rather than staying on the inside yeah. um and and if i run my own business it's going to help me to create a life that works around a young family um which I think can sometimes be a myth. I think sometimes it can help, but sometimes you can fall prey of working all of the hours of the day because suddenly you've got a business baby as well as a real baby. So that was my, that was my story really around looking at my priorities. Am I prioritizing status and promotion or am I prioritizing um, investing in my family? And then you had redundancy as a catalyst.
0: So the same as me, redundancy comes along and you either take that as an opportunity to make a change or you take the money and you carry on the same career, whichever works for you. So if you're somebody who doesn't have a catalyst like that and is just potentially stuck in a career, stuck in a job that they know is not right for them, but there's no obvious way out as in redundancy, what do you think then is the best way to start to, I suppose, reprogram yourself a bit to start looking outside of that career what could be
1: next i think it's really important to get really clear on what you enjoy about your job so you look at it in the you know the detail of what am i actually doing on a daily and a weekly basis and what gives me energy and what takes my energy away from me and trying to get really clear on what that looks like um You know, not focusing on job titles, but focusing on what are the actual kind of what are are the actual ingredients of what you're doing and then seeing what that looks like in different environments. So focusing on how do you then take the best bits of what you're doing and the skills and the strengths that you like using and how does that then apply in different organizations or different disciplines or um, maybe it's even just a different size of business maybe you're working for a fairly um, developed organization that's got quite a lot of structure and systems in place Mm -hmm. and you think actually I want to work in something that's more of a startup it's more dynamic so getting getting to know what what floats your boat and what ticks your boxes and then having a look Mm -hmm. so always start with yourself knowing what you're looking for before you start to venture outside
0: yeah, there's always a risk, isn't there? I mean, there's a huge risk in changing career, especially and um, potentially having to start from the beginning or feeling like you have to start from the beginning. Obviously, they're transferable skills we often forget we have. Um, And then there's a financial risk, especially if you have a family and you may have to take a pay cut for a period of time or, you know, it, if you're running your own business, it takes quite a long time to get back up to any kind of income that's sustainable. So again, I suppose as part of your Part of someone's reflection about themselves and their passions and their values I guess part of that is also then looking at the reality of the finances and being quite open and honest and transparent about that.
1: Yes I, I completely agree and I am married to an accountant so <laughs> Good, having, <thank> conversations, <laughs> having conversations about finances is something that we do quite a lot <laughs> um, but I think it is worth sitting down and getting really clear on like what you actually have in the pot because it's very easy to hide behind money as an excuse to not make a change mm. it's very easy to say I can't afford to leave my job and sometimes what we're saying is I'm too scared to leave my job therefore I'm going to say I can't afford to leave my job yeah. because that's no one's going to probe me any further on that because we don't talk about money UK, do we yeah. no
0: don't
1: not in the UK so what is how much money you know and you look at this as a duo if you have got a partner what do we need to have on a monthly basis what's like our survival fund yeah. and then what is the nice to have mm. and am I willing to drop the nice to have down mm. so that we can go and pursue a different yeah. avenue when it comes to our careers and and that's something that we did so my redundancy money um it went straight into being able to afford childcare and household expenses, so that I could pivot. Yeah. Um, and we were down to having to analyze how much money we're spending on our food shop, mm-hmm. and how how are we buying clothes for our children? Are we doing it in the most economical way? Because something's got to give. And yeah. um, but if you have if you don't have those figures. In front of you it's very difficult to know whether you're saying something because it's keeping you safe or whether you're saying something because it's actually fact
0: yeah and those figures and I think generally speaking those figures and as you say your husband's an accountant so you probably live like this anyway but having those figures and and being understanding those figures whether you're going to change career or not just gives the household more confidence that you know what's going on with your lives regardless of whether you're going to change career or not I think that's just a good discipline and a good habit to get into anyway i think
1: i I completely agree i do have lots of spreadsheets the
0: finances on them so i reforecast every month so i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to finances and then when you changed career when you did pivots into coaching did you know then the kind of coaching you wanted to do or was that evolved over the years
1: So brilliant question. So I didn't know the type of coaching I wanted to do, but my coaching um, qualification coincided with my two maternity leaves. So I've got two daughters and they're fairly close in age. There's an 18 month age gap. Um, And I was training to become a coach at the point that I was on my maternity leave. So they sort of blended together. And I remember thinking to myself, there is so much support for um, women after they've given birth for things like sleep training your child, weaning your child, you know, attempting to get your pre-baby body back. Mm. There were all of these programs in place. And I remember thinking, where is this piece about how to get your career back on track? Um even when you think about NCT, you know, you might go on an NCT type class to prepare for baby's birth. And I thought we need to have exactly the same for going back to work. Mm. So I think it was that personal experience that coincided with the timing of doing my training. Yeah. that I thought there's a real opportunity here to support women to regain their identities in their careers after, you know, first, second, third plus child, because it seems to get lost somewhere. It does. And I think it I think there
0: are, as with a lot of these sort of anything to sort of working parents, there are a lot of things that are done as a tick box exercise by employers. There are keeping in touch days there are all the sort of things that every employer sort of has to do. But then it seems, again, in my experience, you come back to work and you're expected. This is fathers and mothers. You're expected just to be the same as you were nine months ago or a year ago, how long you've been off. So There's no understanding or empathy that actually your entire life has changed your priorities are different, your logistics are different, your head's in multiple different places at one time, but yet you're expected just to get back into the job you're in, potentially, and carry on as though nothing's happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so difficult, I think, also, if you look at it from an employer's perspective. It's really difficult for people to understand what you've been through if they haven't been through it themselves. We probably all, when we first became parents went into parenthood thinking, oh my gosh, nothing could have prepared me for this. And I think sometimes that is the same for line managers, um, you know, or your bosses at work, it's very difficult for them to be able to put themselves in your shoes because how can they prepare themselves to know how they need to best support you when you're coming back to work? Mm.
0: Um, To that point then, what do you how do you work with line managers
1: and with employers to get them on the same page? So I think it's really important to to begin with awareness and education, and opening up the dialogue at work. So I think sometimes we feel as though, and in the past, I think probably pre-COVID, we feel as though we can't talk about home when we're at work. Yeah. You know, we can't talk about our challenges because mm-hmm. that might be seen as a weakness or a vulnerability, and therefore it's all behind closed doors. Um, so I think opening up the dialogue is absolutely key culturally an organization needs to support that it needs to create that psychological safety that is okay for somebody to come to work and talk about yeah. non-work things mm-hmm. um, and that's also important for building relationships and um, the overall culture of an organization um, and then I think it's about sharing best practice So how can we increase the awareness and educate everybody within an organization, but how can we then share best practice? So you touched upon keeping in touch days as an example there. Not every single line manager or every single employer has a conversation with their team member about keeping in touch days. It is currently a really inconsistent experience for people. So I think that sharing best practice and creating the consistency is a really important thing because I see many of my clients have very inconsistent experiences and if you have a brilliant line manager then your return to work after maternity leave can be brilliant and if you don't have a brilliant line manager that might be your catalyst Mm -hmm. for choosing to leave yeah absolutely and and you might not want to leave actually
0: it might just be they always say you leave a manager don't you Not, not a job so it may be the company of your dreams it may be the job you've always wanted to do but if your line manager isn't providing the support you need then that will be the the thing that turns you
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and and I think it's also about just supporting the line managers to have the confidence Mm. so I think that having a conversation with somebody on maternity leave can be a scary thing for a line manager to, to do because they might not feel particularly comfortable having conversations um, with somebody who's absent from the business, who's going through um, a life-changing transition. But also, they are they're, they're heightened around not wanting to do the wrong thing, yeah. and because we have you know bosses that are worried about doing the wrong thing, what they do instead is they do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So. again it's the creating safety saying to somebody it's okay for you to have a conversation with someone that's on their maternity leave and you're not going to put a foot wrong but reaching out to them and checking on their well-being is better than doing nothing so I think it's about encouraging them to feel confident as well
0: yeah and that of course applies not just to women come back from maternity leave but that applies I suppose that minefield now doing the wrong thing applies across all kinds of not just mental health issues but you know a ton of issues not just with regards working parents so I think something that potentially leaders and bosses are struggling with on a much bigger scale
1: yes absolutely and I think that's where, and I know we've discussed this before, but that's where if you support managers and, and leaders to have um, coaching skills as part of their toolkits, yeah. they can go into conversations that might come across as being quite heavy. You know, the if mm-hmm. someone suddenly opens up a can of worms and yeah. start, to, starts talking about a topic, we w- we don't want the line manager to shrink and retreat. We yeah. want them to feel confident that they can have a coaching conversation in those situations so I think there's an opportunity to upskill the communication skills of anybody who's got people responsibilities so that they 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 feel equipped in those scenarios
0: yeah definitely and I've actually spoken to a couple of um mums leaders who admitted freely to me recently that before they had kids they potentially didn't treat their teams. In looking back maybe the best way they could have done but since having children they have just had a new awakening with regards to people management and empathy and communication and they're looking back at their previous sort of life before kids and thinking god I'm not sure I'm proud actually of how I treated some of my team members in the past not just parents but generally speaking so there's a, again those skills that come from being a parent I suppose they can see now what, they, what their skills are and how they can use them within the workplace as well
1: yeah absolutely and I think that's where you know we've got to support anybody who is in those positions of you know being responsible for people let's try and support them rather than making it a them and us which I think can yeah. sometimes be what happens um as I said it earlier and we were mentioning it's very difficult to understand somebody's journey if you haven't walked in those shoes yeah. it's so hard isn't it we've probably all thought about friends of ours that had children before us where we think oh my gosh I should have turned up with the lasagna and I didn't <laughs> like I should have turned up and like washed washed up all the dishes in the yeah. kitchen but yeah. I I sat on the sofa and let them make me a cup of tea yeah. how embarrassing <laughs> that I like I was willing to do that yeah You know, and even now I can think of those moments. And I have I have a friend of mine who actually contacted me after her um, daughter was born Mm. to say, I am apologizing to you, Lizzie, because I now realize that when I came to see you two years ago. (laughs) I didn't do enough as a friend. But how could she have known?
0: No. And also you, I doubt very much you judged her at that point either. I don't think you're probably sitting there going why is she sitting down on my sofa why I have no energy
1: to judge anybody <laughs> let alone keep myself true. sane
0: It's also true so I'm sure the judgment's not entirely totally there but it is the awareness as you say of when you do experience something the awareness of how you can then change your behaviors going forward I don't think it's it's worthwhile or a good use of your energy to look back and start to sort of regret the way you behaved but it's yeah I agree. you can certainly Change the way you behave going forward, whether that's with family, or with friends, or with or with work, anyway.
1: Yeah. And and that's why I think this awareness piece is absolutely key. How can we open up the dialogue? How can we help other individuals understand a little bit of, of what your journey might look like? And and that's why I think that um coaching within organisations and running workshops within organisations that are focused on both the individual that's about to go on parental leave plus the line managers is really yeah. key
0: yeah and talk about parental leave there when we talk about shared parental leave now obviously, between the both parents have you had much experience of that happening because that's a conversation that comes up in every podcast i have is parental leave and, and the take up and in fact i just recorded a podcast last week with um an American company called the Center for Parental Leave Lead, Leadership, because they feel that the US as a country is quite far behind the UK when it comes to parental leave. or it's slowly catching up. So, I guess what's your what's your experience? I think on on parental leave being shared, on working with working fathers, because they obviously will be suffering the same way when they come back to work after after parental leave. What are your kind of thoughts or experience of that?
1: So I know the take up of shared parental leave is still really low, isn't it? I think it's yeah. something around four percent in the UK, um, maybe less. I don't know. I don't know what the latest statistics are, but it's small, small yeah. fry. Yeah. Um, I think money is still a massive barrier. So if you are in a, um, a relationship where you've got an opportunity for your um, your partner to take shared parental leave yeah it it's likely that a large chunk of that parental leave is unpaid and if they are yeah. the um the breadwinner mm-hmm. that is another challenge that gets in the way so if shared parental leave is funded better then i think we'll see a greater uptake mm-hmm. but at the moment there is no government policy that supports that it's it's not funded by the government it's funded by employers mm-hmm. so If you've got a brilliant employer, so John Lewis, have just increased their Mm. um, paid parental leave to six months for both men and women, um, completely equal. Mm. But it's coming from the employer's pot of money. It's not something that's coming from the government. So. I'm not a specialist in this particular area, but I know that in other countries, um, European countries in particular, it, 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 the funding comes from the government and that therefore makes a difference to the uptake. Yeah, um, And I think what that then does is that reduces the stigma around men taking leave because I think that's the second challenge. So I think the first challenge is um, if it's cost effective as a family. And I think the second challenge is the systemic culture Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. men taking time out of work for childcare and duties yeah
0: it's tough it's and it's a real it's a real stigma and I'm sure many many people will again it's all based on our experiences I'm not an expert in this either but certainly 99% of couples I speak to personally and through work there is that stigma and the dads say I just can't afford to take that time off not financially I can't afford to be seen to be out of the office that long that's it, and that yeah. if that keeps going, obviously if that if that's perpetuated, we're never going to make a massive step change when it comes to that. And there will be the random employers, so you know the John Lewis etc. and and others who do make that extra effort to support both parties, but that's still very much, as you say, very much in the minority. I think what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, and I I think. I think what we've seen in the last 18 months with COVID is we've seen more and more men talking about how much they've loved being able to work from home because they've been able to play a more active role in their, you know, their parenting, um, their par- with their parenting hat on. Yeah. And I think it is a really, really tough time for men. You know, my husband was, he was leaving home to commute into central London mm-hmm. with two very young daughters and a wife who was exhausted he was having to get ready in about three minutes he was then rushing for the train and he was sitting at his desk let's say eight 9 a.m he's already pulled a all-nighter like he's already been up four times in the night and yeah. then when he finishes his shift he's coming home and having to pick up the pieces and having to deal with our emotions and like the fallout from the day mm. and it was really tough I mean I'd, I we had a hard time you know yeah. we we eventually got some support from a postnatal doula that was brilliant and okay. yeah. um, you know focusing on supporting with my newborn but also in my well-being and my mental health but I think sometimes we overlook how hard it is for the men as well mm. and the guilt that they also experience yeah. You know, I don't think my husband was ever leaving the house guilt-free.
0: Mm. I think fallout's a brilliant use, brilliant terminology, it is fallout. You know, you're away from the house for eight days, and you've got young kids and a, a, a new mum, whether it's new mum for the first, second, third, or fourth time, it doesn't matter. And a lot happens in those eight hours, <laughs> emotionally, physically, you know. So it absolutely is fallout when the, the person who's been out to work returns.
1: Yes, and, and and they're treated as though they've been on a holiday for eight hours, which they haven't, because <laughs> they've been trying to keep their eyes open, you know, in front of their colleagues that don't necessarily have an understanding that they've had broken sleep and mm. all of those other things that have happened for them. So I think it's really important to view parental leave, so maternity leave, shared parental leave as a transition for the whole family and not just the mother.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then talking back going back to sort of your career, your current career and being self-employed and being a working mum and a busy working mum, how do you, I suppose, how do you keep sane? so <laughs> was a big question, but how do you manage your time? So now it's entirely your time, your response for your time, you sort of master of your own own world, if you like. How do you keep that all ticking over with the young family?
1: Yeah it's a it's an ongoing juggle isn't it <laughs> so my two daughters are both preschoolers so they haven't started school yet they're aged 3 and 4 so i used to have nursery for two days a week and that was my um time to work so i would have two full days they were, they were long days yeah. and those would be the days that i would work and then i would be on mummy duty on the other days um, and then when we moved house recently and with covid they um, shifted to going to a preschool for half days so my husband and I basically sit down every couple of weeks and get out the calendar Mm. and have a really really dry boring but very 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 necessary Mm. conversation about who's doing drop-offs who's doing pick-ups who's going to do the afternoon shift what are our plans at the weekend and we run a really tight 50 50 household split with the childcare. care um, I believe that if my career continues to be put in second place it will always be in second place and I'm, we're now in a position where we treat both of our careers as as equal priorities yep. Um, so very, very boring conversations regularly, and then really, really clear boundaries. Mm. Um, so and and I know that boundaries come can come with guilt. So leaving your children because you're going for a meeting and they're crying and all they want is a cuddle with mummy is really, really tough. Mm. But it's the sort of thing that if you continue to practice it, you build up some resilience. Yeah. And you also realize that when you come back two hours later, they didn't actually miss mummy. It was just an act. It They're was just, just 30 because... seconds and that's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't work on a Friday afternoon. Um, that's the time that I always have 100% um, mummy and daughter time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But I do pick up one Saturday a month I will work. Um, and actually, I love that because everybody's out of the house. Mm nobody else is on their emails mm-hmm. and i can just get my head down for about three or four hours yeah. totally interrupted
0: mm. that's quite if you say just taking friday afternoon you're still doing four and a half day a week
1: yeah yeah so it's so it, i might work from 9 30 until about three during the week yeah um still, and then you know,
0: evenings. in the evenings. yeah so when you include the kids in that and the family you know and your husband That is altogether well over a full-time job, isn't it?
1: What if I was adding childcare into the mix?
0: Yeah, so you do do a full day. Yes, 9.30 to 3.30 isn't a full, not 9.00 to 5.00, but then you've got kids from 3.30 till whenever they go to bed. So I suppose what what I'm saying is, as a self-employed business owner, maybe people think, I think I probably thought this originally, that you then have the flexibility to potentially work less hours to suit your family better to have that flexibility but actually the reality isn't always like that and you can still be working a full-time week if you like or almost full-time week so what is it about that for you that makes being self-employed a better way of living yeah. than being employed when I mean, actually hours aren't that much different yes
1: so I don't think that it necessarily is better than being employed. And a lot of my work is about ensuring that women don't feel as though they have to become self-employed yes. in order to find flexibility. Mm-hmm. That is something that I think can sometimes feel like, oh, look, there's this there's this um, promised land of work-life balance mm. that comes with being a freelance business owner that isn't always the case so I think it's really important when we talk about flexibility to understand exactly what you mean some people when they want flexibility they want less hours yeah sometimes when people want flexibility like me mm. actually what I want is autonomy so I want control over when I do my hours yeah so I like working full-time yeah. I just like knowing that I'm in control mm. of when those hours are mm. and I like being able to make a decision that my day is going to be split in half so it might be nine it might be nine thirty 30 till three and then it might be 7 p.m to 9 p.m yeah um so for me it's not about less hours but it's about having full control of my hours mm and in my previous life as a branch manager for John Lewis mm-hmm. i didn't get I, I didn't really get to choose my hours i did a bit because it was all shift work but the shop was always open and yeah. if it was my shift to be there until 10 p.m. i couldn't just no. I couldn't leave yeah yeah so i think it's important to know what is it that you want because if it's autonomy and if it's that you want to have greater control over your hours mm-hmm. you can still achieve that within the corporate arena, or within yeah. the space of being an employee. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I suppose
0: then is about having conversations, or well, ideally having conversations with your employer about what that looks like for you, and knowing what you're asking for. I mean, that's always the biggest hurdle—is people that actually know what they're asking for. And then, secondly, it's having—I suppose—the confidence to look outside of that employment, if perhaps you can't get what you want. Yeah,
1: I think knowing what you, I think knowing what you, knowing what you need and then also knowing where you're going to be flexible, and where you're going to give back. So it's that, you know, focusing on the win win. So, you know, you would like to gain something, and what what are you giving back as a result of that? What does that then bring? And If you want to work flexibly, or let's say you want to work part time, Mm. that is really brilliant for the organisation to be able to display that they are supporting team members, valuable team members to work in a flexible way. Mm. Because what we know is that millennials, anybody who was born after 1980, Mm. is placing flexibility higher on their list than pay. Yeah. if you would like flexibility at work, and that's going to be brilliant for the brand reputation and for the culture, then that's what you're giving back to them.
0: Yeah, but it's about being having that reciprocal conversation, isn't it? Like I said, it's not just asking, demanding, going to the list of demands. I want. Yes.
1: Yes, and to I think it's really, partner. and I think it's really important because sometimes when you become a parent for the first time, it feels like the most important job in the world, which it absolutely is. Mm-hmm in those moments but there are lots of other reasons why people want flexibility Mm -hmm. so it's about just making sure that yes you are a working parent but that's not necessarily more special than someone else who's got an elderly family member that they want to care for or a medical complication that they need Mm -hmm. flexibility for so perspective yeah or a new puppy as one of my
0: clients has this week a new puppy which she said actually now she hasn't got kids yet Um, but said it is basically having a child yes it (laughs) is so she's also they don't sleep (laughs) they They definitely don't sleep Um, (laughs) and to your point about millennials I think what will be interesting you said 1980 I think my husband who's born in 1980 I'm not sure he's considered himself a millennial but anyway um, the generation now so our kids or especially the older kids um, so my daughter who's 11 seeing their parents in the last year and a half working in a completely different way seeing Daddy working from home full-time, which he still is, and as you said before, the, being exposed to the dynamic between two parents at home and how they share the duties and all that kind of thing. Having had homeschooling, having been exposed to the digital landscape through Microsoft Teams lessons and all that kind of stuff for the last year and a half, their view, when they go into the workplace for home, eight, seven, eight, nine years' time, is going to be completely different. To the millennials now. So, her view on what flexible looks like and what working from home looks like and the kind of job she wants to do is going to be vastly different. And that's a, I don't know what that is yet, but it's going to be completely different for this generation.
1: I, I don't think we do know. I, I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure our children will be doing jobs that don't even currently exist. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I so. think someone
0: said to me the other day about coding, cause my daughter's quite techie, forgets that from me maybe. But someone said actually, coding in 10 years' time won't be a thing because it will be automated so that's the other thing we don't know that this is the rapid scale of automation it's going to make a lot of these jobs redundant in the 10 years yeah. time so we don't even know i so said don't know what that's going to look like yet so it's quite it's going be a fascinating yeah. journey to watch for them so lizzie i know you've got to head off soon so thank you so much for being on today um and if people want to get hold of you for coaching or for leadership development or anything at all where's the best place to find you
1: um so the best place to find me if you want to see more about my brand and the services that i offer it's my website which is worklifemother.com if you want to have a chat then linkedin i'm there i'm lizzie martin um i'm also on instagram as worklifemother. mother so those are the three three main platforms um where you can find me good well thank you so much and i think
0: you're off on holiday this afternoon so have a great holiday i will pray for the sunshine For you.
1: If there's no sunshine, at least there's wine.
0: Oh, that's fine. Who needs sunshine when you've got wine? If only you could get rid of the kids, but never (laughs) mind. So, thank you so much. And we'll speak very soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Lizzie.
1: Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for
0: tuning in to this episode of The Parent Equation. And please remember to hit subscribe. And also, it'd be great if you could leave a review. Thanks so much and see you next time.